I am afraid of the dark. It's true. I'm a 37-year-old man, and I am completely afraid of the dark. I have little nightlights placed all over our home because in the middle of the night, I hate to wake up and for it to be dark. A few months ago, I took a trip to Jamaica, and uh, it was a ministry trip, and we stayed at a mission retreat center, and I slept in this uh, log cabin, and it's a one-room cabin that has a small bathroom and basically a bedroom, and that's it. And uh, as I went to bed, I turned on the bathroom light, and I closed the door so a little bit of light would shine into the room uh, in case I woke up in the middle of the night and um, didn't want to wake up in the dark. Well, sure enough, uh, while we were sleeping, the electricity went out, and in the middle of the night, I wake up, and it's pitch dark. And I wake up, and I am gripped with fear. You really don't believe that I'm afraid of the dark. I, I wake up, and I'm gripped with fear, and I did what uh, only I could do is I reached over in the dark, and I reached over for my iPhone, my trusty iPhone, and I hit the button, and the light came on, and, and, and light came into the room, and oh, I was able to ultimately breathe again, not just have light in the room. Now, this week, I did some research, and I found out that they say only 5% of all adults are afraid of the dark. I think everyone's lying. I don't believe that's true. They say, this research says that the fear of darkness is most prevalent in children ages 4 to 6, and that by age 9, the fear begins to decrease. That's faulty research is what that is. I don't know about you. What about you? Are you afraid of the dark? You know, that same research speculated about some of the reasons why children or adults are afraid of the dark. And they, one guy said that maybe it has to do with separation, anxiety. Uh, others said it could be rooted in our ancient ancestors' legitimate fear of being, being eaten by wild animals. <laughs> well, can I tell you why I'm afraid of the dark? I'm afraid of the dark because I can't see. <laughs> People fear darkness because in the dark you can't see. And when you can't see, you stumble around and you feel helpless and vulnerable. You feel powerless and anxious and insecure. And the truth is, many people walk through life feeling like this, don't they? Many people go about their days facing the various challenges of life with uncertainty, feeling uh, insecure and anxious about what life holds for them. Often there's this constant sense of discouragement, maybe even a bit of despair. I'm sure you've experienced this. Maybe you're experiencing this right now in your life. You're kind of stumbling along in the darkness of your, in your career. Maybe you're finding that your job isn't quite as fulfilling as it once was or as you had hoped it would be. And you're not sure what, where the road's going to lead and you're a little bit anxious about it. Maybe you're stumbling in the darkness of your marriage. If you were sitting here, you'd be honest and you'd say, you know, my, my spouse and I, we're not seeing eye to eye much these days. And marriage just... Well, marriage hasn't met my expectations. You're stumbling along a little bit in the darkness. Maybe you're single and you never thought that you would be this age and still be single. And you're starting to lose hope of ever meeting someone to marry. Whether it's friends that disappoint us or financial plans that don't work out or complications in our health that we never saw coming, we all go through circumstances and seasons in our life 
where we experience some very real uncertainty and some real insecurity, and we kind of walk through and stumble in the darkness. Well, the good news is that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and that whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life. Jesus offers himself as a light in the darkness. We live in a world that is dark and where light by definition makes vision possible. A lamp on a nightstand, nightstand helps you see what you're reading. Street lights help you see where you're walking. Headlights help you see where you're driving. Light helps us see things clearly. And instead of walking through life, stumbling around in the darkness, Jesus offers us Himself, as a source of light, illuminating our lives with spiritual truth and understanding so that we can view our lives in the light of Jesus, so we can walk through life experiencing a genuine peace, a sincere joy and hope, regardless of the circumstances. This is the reason why Jesus came. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus brought us from the darkness into the light. He came to give us spiritual sight. Isaiah 42, verse 7, tells us Jesus came to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Jesus, Jesus opened our eyes to see the spiritual truth, and he shined his light into our hearts. So that we can know who he is and understand who God is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6 says this. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I love Colossians 1. Colossians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 12 through 13 says this, the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Jesus came to rescue us from the darkness and everything that it represents and to bring us into the kingdom of life. And so the question is, what does it look like to live and walk in the kingdom of the light? How do we allow Jesus to be the light of our everyday world. Well, today we're going to look at one of the practical ways of doing this, and that is by viewing the world through his eyes and having an eternal perspective, not a worldly perspective. We want to view our lives in light of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We so often view our lives the way the world does, but the world is blinded to the truth. They walk in darkness and cannot see clearly. But just as light gives us the ability to see clearly, Jesus helps us view our lives clearly with a spiritual reality based on God's word. Jesus came to give us spiritual sight and to see things as they truly are. So to help us kind of better understand this, we're going to walk through 10 areas of our lives. and about 1.30, we'll get finished. I want to walk through, I just simply wanted today, I just wanted to walk through 
10 major areas of our life. And I want to encourage you this morning and remind you this morning, regardless of your circumstances, to view your life in light of Jesus and according to God's truth. First, let's start with our view of God. Now, We've talked a lot about this in the last several weeks during the Follow Me series, but our relationship with God is the most important thing about us, and so let's just briefly touch on it. We're all in different places on our spiritual journey and in our relationship with God. Some of you sitting here today, you've had a relationship with God since your childhood. Others of you, you're re-engaging in your relationship with God in recent weeks and months. Some of you are just beginning your relationship with God. And still others are sitting here this morning, and quite frankly, you're just not sure where you stand with the Lord. You're still trying to figure it out, and that's okay. But regardless, let me simply point out that there's no need for you to stumble along in the darkness and have any uncertainty or a lack of clarity about your relationship with God and your view of who God is. In light of Jesus, you can view your relationship with God according to a few basic biblical truths, and here they are. Number one, God created you. He knit you together. He loves you, and he demonstrated his love for you by dying on the cross and paying for your sins. And now God is eagerly pursuing a relationship with you. He sees you as his child, and he wants to relate to you as your heavenly father. And that leads us to the second area I want us to take a look at in light of Jesus, how you view yourself. How do you view yourself? If you're a Christian, in light of Jesus... You no longer have to question your identity or doubt your value. You can now view yourself the way God views you. 1 Peter 2 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You were once not a people, but now you are. You're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Allow the light of Christ to help you see yourself clearly as God sees you. You've been chosen by God. You're a member of royalty. You're now part of God's family. You're a new creation. All of your sins have been forgiven. You're no longer condemned. You have a hope and eternal inheritance in Christ. This is how we're called to view ourselves in light of Jesus. The third area we're going to look at is our view of others. In light of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In fact, according to the scriptures, there are two basic kinds of people. Those that have a relationship with God and those that don't. There are believers and there are unbelievers. There are the lost and there are found. There are the blind and there are those that can see. And as Christians... Our eyes have been opened to see people through the lens of Jesus, to see them the way God sees them. And this begins by understanding that God did create everyone, and no uh, no one's here by accident, but that God has a plan and a purpose for every person's life. And because God has opened our eyes, we see individuals who don't have a relationship with God, who are lost and who are blind. We see them as lost sheep without a shepherd, and we need to do our part in introducing them to the great shepherd, Jesus. Last week, we challenged you. Each of us were challenged to identify one person in our life. Who's one lost person in our lives 
that we can pray for, that we can invest in, that we can invite into the family of God. If you weren't here last week, uh, Steve mentioned, uh, I think we have some cards out in the atrium. You can be a part of it. You can grab one on your way out today and prayerfully consider who's the one person, who's the one person that you need to begin viewing in light of Jesus as someone who's lost and helpless without a shepherd and that you, we can do our part to help them lead them to Jesus. So in Christ, our view of the lost has changed, but our view of Christians has changed too. We no longer see uh, uh, Christians as strangers. The Bible says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Bible says that we are called to live out the one another's of scriptures. Can you think about some of the one another's? We're called to what? Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, we're called consider our brothers and sisters, consider others better than ourselves. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. Jesus said, people will know we're his disciples by our love for one another. So do you have a Christian in your life? Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Is there anyone in your life you need to view more clearly in the light of Jesus and see them as your brother and sister in Christ, to see them as God sees them? Fourth area of our life where Jesus shines his light and helps us see clearly is our view of the world. Your view of the world should change in Christ. Simply put, this world is not our home. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and this world we live in is a temporary world. Now, summer is just around the corner. I know it snowed yesterday, but regardless of what's going on in the weather, according to the calendar, apparently, supposedly, summer is just a few weeks away. Let's all hope that's true. And with summer comes family vacations. When you go on a vacation, we tend to live a little differently on vacation than we do normally, don't we? What do we do differently? Well, first off, we live out of a suitcase. For some of you ladies, you might live out of a few suitcases on vacation. That's always a nice point of tension between the husband and the wife. (laughs) I threw that in there for my wife. Uh, Thankfully, she's not here this morning. But when you go on vacation, you spend your time a little differently. You look at your activities a little differently. Why? Because on, on vacation, we tend to not worry about things as much. We tend to try not to let stress get to us. We don't sweat the small things. We hold loosely to things. We don't get too attached to the place we're staying or the car we're driving because we know those things are all temporary. We know we're going to go home. Listen, let me just remind you this morning, in light of everything that's going on in the world, I'm reminded and I'm encouraged, this world's not our home. This world is temporary. The fifth area we're going to look at is your view of pain and disappointment. Some of you are in a season of great pain and disappointment right now. And you're disappointed about some things and things in life have not unfolded the way you had hoped. And this morning, you may need to hear the Lord say to you, it's not always going to be this way. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We don't 
look and view things through the eyes of the world. We view it in light of Jesus. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In Revelation 21.4, Jesus promises that he'll wipe every tear away from our eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I want to encourage you, if you're hurting right now, to view your pain, your disappointment in light of Jesus. God won't waste your pain. The Bible says that what Satan means for evil, God turns it into good. Romans 8 tells us that God works all things together for our good. And ultimately, that good is that he wants to transform us into the image of Christ. And that leads Leads me to the sixth area of life, your view of success. You know, Jesus shines his light on what true success is. In Christ, we no longer measure success the way the world measures success. The world defines success in accomplishment and in achievement, in acquiring material possessions, cars, houses, clothes, vacations. Success, according to the world, is living a comfortable and enjoyable life. And if you've been able to do that, then you've led a successful life. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And the Bible defines success very differently. Jesus shines his light on what true success is. It's remaining faithful and obedient to God throughout your life, regardless of the circumstances. The Apostle Paul said it this way at the end of his life. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. This is what success looks like. The Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. See, God cares more about our character than our accomplishments in life. And so are you viewing success in life in light of who Jesus is, what he has done for you, and according to his word? Seven. See, we're, we're, we're going to get done on time. Seven, your view of marriage. One of my favorite quotes on marriage is in, by an author named Gary Thomas. He wrote a book called Sacred Marriage. Some of you are probably familiar with it. And in it, he asked the question simply this. What if God's primary intent for your marriage isn't to make you happy, but instead to make you holy? He goes on to suggest that marriage is the greatest discipleship tool in the hand of God. The world will tell you if you're not happy in your marriage or if you're falling out of love, then just quit and get a divorce. They're coming up with all kinds of strange terms to call this. But God says that marriage is to be a picture of the way he loves us. And in marriage, we're called to love unconditionally and sacrificially. We don't love our spouses because they earn our love or because we feel like loving them. We love them because we're commanded to love them like Jesus did, like he loved us. So in light of Jesus, how are you viewing your marriage? Are you viewing it through the lens of God's word and God's truth? Number eight, our view of our jobs. Regardless of what line or of work that you're in, your job is a gift from God. Ephesians 6 tells us ultimately that you're not working for your employer, you're working for the Lord. So work hard and do your job with integrity in a way that brings God glory. If you're a teacher, bring God glory. If you're a salesman or in business, then you bring God glory. 
If you're a server in a restaurant or a clerk in the bank, then you bring God glory. And in light of Jesus, your work has meaning and purpose. Some of you wrote down on your one card a coworker that's lost. You have an opportunity, and God may want to use you as a light in that dark place. Number nine, your view of sin. Jesus shines his light on how we should view the sin in our lives. First, Jesus tells us that in Christ, all of our sins have been forgiven. The Bible says that our sin has been separated from us as far as the east is from the west. But it's not just like our past sin that Jesus wants to address and wants us to see clearly in light of who he is. Jesus wants us to view our present struggles and our present challenges in the area of sin. As children of the light, we should seek not to sin. We should seek to avoid sin. Ephesians tells us to avoid the fruitless deeds of darkness. Darkness. Make it your goal in life to sin less and less. I've heard a quote once that someone said, you know, we'll never be sinless, but we should become less and less sinful. Every morning, I, not every morning, most mornings, I have started praying this prayer. Lord, help me not sin today. I don't want to sin today. I want to live a holy and righteous life. I want to please you by living according to your standards. Jesus shine his, shines his life on the area of sin in our life because he knows that sin hinders our relationship with him. Sin hinders our ability to love and serve others. Sin hinders our ability to experience God's will for our life. And so Jesus says, you need to avoid it. Have nothing to do with it. And if you do sin, he says, confess it. He says, if you confess your sins with one another, you'll be healed. Repent of it. Turn away from sin in your life. Be free, free from it. Over and over again, Jesus addresses sin in our lives. And see, in light of Jesus, we don't view sin as something that condemns us. We, we view sin uh, as something that, that Jesus wants to help us be free from and to gain victory over Lastly, number 10, your view of death. Uh, this week I had visited, I had a chance to go and visit with a close friend and mentor of mine named Kurt. Kurt and his wife have been a tremendous blessing to my wife and I over the years. They've been kind of spiritual mentors and friends to us. And a little over a year ago, Chris, Kristen was diagnosed uh, with terminal lung cancer. And eight weeks ago, at the age of 45, she died. It's been painful and frustrating. And if I were really honest, at times, a deeply discouraging couple of months. Not only for Kurt and his kids, but for my wife and I and for all of us who were close with Kristen. And I asked Kurt, I said, how's your relationship with God? Like, where is Where's Jesus in this? I was essentially asking him, how is Jesus being the light in your world right now? He said, you know, God has been faithful and he has encouraged me and comforted me and strengthened me and the kids in multiple ways. He says, but you know, there's one simple truth I'm holding on to and that gets me through every day. He said, it's the truth that she's not dead. The truth is, she's more alive today than she ever has been. 
And for a man who loved his bride and was married for over 20 years and who deeply grieves and misses her, the fact that he's able to say, my hope is in the truth that in light of Christ, the reality is Kristen's alive. In fact, the Bible tells us Jesus is excited to see her. The Bible tells us that Jesus died for her sins. So I imagine when Kristen got to meet Jesus face to face, Jesus was really excited about it. And he said, this is the reason why I died. I died so I could see you and be with you for eternity. And see, for those who have a relationship with Jesus, death is not devastating. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, not even in death. Because in Christ we have the light of life, an eternal life, and an eternal hope. So regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in today, and regardless of uh, what area of life or season of life you're in, I want to encourage you and remind you to view your life in light of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful For your son, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that John 3.16 says that you so loved us. And you so loved this dark world that you sent your one and only son, the light of the world, into the world. That we might have eternal life in you. And I'm thankful, Lord, that it's not just eternal life that we put our hope in. But our hope is in the fact that even in the midst of our challenges and our circumstances here and now. Jesus, you said, if we'll follow you, we won't walk in darkness, but we can have light. So, Lord, would you just meet us where we're at? Would you bring us the hope and the joy and the peace that comes from knowing you're the light of the world? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing.